You guys, I am so excited today to talk to you guys and to introduce to you guys someone that I have known for a couple of years. And um, we are going to be talking about brain health and its importance to being productive and to being our best self. Um, I am going to be interviewing today Kristen Oja. Um, she her her formal bio is D. NPFNP slash CIFMCP is a doctor of nursing practice, a nurse practitioner, a personal trainer, a wife, a mom to be, and the founder of Stat Wellness, which is the nation's first medicine and movement practice. Passionate about taking functional medicine approach, Kristen focuses on covering the root cause of chronic illnesses and disease, taking into account her patient's lifestyle, diet, genetics, environment, and stress. So Kristen, thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited to be on here, Christy. Thank you so much for the invite. All I know is that was just a lot of titles. Uh, you're super smart. You got it going on. And I just like, I, I seeked you out because you, you know, like, you know, that it's not just band-aid fixes for a lot of stuff. And there's typically a root thing and it may be not be one thing like diet. It, it might be diet, genetics, environment, stress, all those different things um, that works together. So I guess let me like introduce yourself and a not so like, what made you go this route? Like, how did you end up getting all these titles and opening this amazing stat wellness that you have? Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I think really, I was born an entrepreneur. So having stat wellness is really not a surprise to me. I was leading dance camps in my parents' backyard at 12 years old, you know, making $400 a week. My parents are like, who is this child? I was working at Einstein's Bagels before going to high school. So I'm just a very hardworking person. And I've seen that throughout my life. But what really got me into functional medicine was I was always very athletic. I danced, I played lacrosse, I went to college. I had no idea I was gaining weight until Christmas um, of my freshman year when my pants just all of a sudden didn't button. And I realized that you actually had to be purposeful and mindful on your health journey. You can't just like play sports and eat whatever you want um, because that's not really real life once you get out of the sports and dance and lacrosse and all those things I was doing. So I started becoming much more mindful and working out and I became a personal trainer and I really couldn't figure out what I wanted to do for school. I was like, should I be a fashion designer? And everybody told me, Kristen, go nursing. You can always fall back on it. So I went nursing and I actually, I hated nursing at the beginning because I was in the dialysis unit on my first rotation with fluorescent lights and no windows and people sitting there for four hours, getting all of their blood filtered in and out of their body to work for their kidneys. And it was just a very dark place. And a lot of my patients were morbidly obese or they had high blood pressure. And when I would use words like sodium, they just kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, I, I, I take for granted sometimes what I just know. And so I really wanted to get into the education component and I really wanted to get into the prevention side. So I went back after some time in the ER uh, when everybody was coming in with these brown bags on their chest with 20 pills and they didn't know why they were on each thing. And um, each of the different medications had side effects with each other and a pulmonologist prescribed this, a cardiologist prescribed this, the gastroenterologist, their primary care. And, you know, the list goes on. And we know 60% of Americans have at least one chronic disease and 40% have two or more. And I really think it's probably even higher than that if everybody was going in to their annual physicals, which we know a lot of people don't. So I wanted to get into the prevention side. So I went on and got my master's as a nurse practitioner and then went on and got my doctorate and really focused on digestive health and my doctorate. That was what my dissertation was on. 
but I still felt like I wanted to learn more. Like I felt like I was still missing something, even with all of this different education. So I went on um, and did board certification through the Institute of Functional Medicine, which is really where my passion is today. And functional medicine is all about taking a root cause approach. And it's looking at a person's whole health timeline from birth till current state. Because like you said, it's not normally just one thing. It's not like, oh, it's just this food sensitivity or it's just your stress or it's just, it's not one thing. It's always, you know, here's all the different pieces of the puzzle and we've got to put them all back together and help your body become whole again. And so I opened Sat Wellness um, actually last year, January, 2019 as the nation's first medicine and movement practice, because I wanted to make functional medicine affordable for people. And I also wanted to put emphasis on lifestyle. So two thirds of the space is a gym and one third is medicine. So we have health coaches, dietitians, nutritionists, we have personal trainers, nurse practitioners, um, nurses, we do IV therapy, and we just have a really awesome team um, in Atlanta, Georgia. I love it. I love it. So you know, uh, so for you guys that, that don't know who Kristen is, Kristen, where can they find you? So on Instagram or the website, do you want to give them a little bit of information about where they could find you or more information about you? Yes, absolutely. So my personal one, I don't do much on, but is Kristen period Oja on Instagram. And then our business is at stat wellness, our website, which we actually just redid. So you guys all should check it out is www.statwellness.com. And it's S T A T wellness. And it stands for strength to achieve total wellness. I love it. So you guys that are listening, so we are about to dive in and talk about brain health. Like you, you don't really hear that much. Like you don't hear like, how is your, is your brain healthy today? Like, are you focusing on your brain health? Um, so just so you guys know, and for all of you guys that are listening, just know that we're going to be covering the gut brain connection, um, and, and how the brain is actually not a separate thing. Um, you know, going over blood sugar control and how that affects your brain, uh, talking about sleep and its importance and the different levels of sleep and the left and the right side of the brain and how to keep those two sections healthy. And then that's all like the physical aspect. And we're going to wrap it up talking about a little bit of the emotional health of the brain and how we can do some things to help you be the most productive version of you. So do we want to start with that gut brain connection? And I just feel like all of this that we're talking about, like hits home to me personally, like I'm so passionate about because I've lived it. I, um, you know, have struggled with all of these, every single ones. Um, so let's talk about the gut brain connection. Explain that. So it is huge. And it's something that we're learning more and more about. We used to think even with digestive issues like diarrhea, constipation, things like that, when it was functional in nature, that it was brain gut, like, okay, it's anxiety or depression that's causing these digestive issues because we can't figure out anything else that's going on. And we're really learning in not in everybody's case, but in a lot of people's case, that it's actually the gut brain connection. We know that 90% of our serotonin, which is our happy neurotransmitter, it helps with emotions. It really stems from the gut. And one of the things that we see a lot in stat wellness is we really have a lot of gut dysfunction. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the big things is we as a society are a lot more sterile and clean. We are doing more C-sections than any other country. We're not breastfeeding our infants as much. We're turning to antibiotics um, quickly. I do think that's getting a lot better, which I'm really happy about. But I think about too, when I was a child, you went in and you had you know a little bit of an ear infection, immediately you're on an antibiotic or you were coughing or had congestion, you're on an antibiotic. 
And that disrupts that gut microbiome. And then the other big thing, which we're going to also talk about with blood sugar control, but we're just eating a diet full of processed food with a lot of sugar and very low in fiber. And sugar feeds the bad bacteria and yeast in our gut. And when you don't have enough fiber, you can't nourish that gut microbiome. For And so because of all of those different reasons I just mentioned, we have a lot of dysbiosis, which is a kind of fancy term. And all that means is there's an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in your gut. And that impacts serotonin. That's going to impact our mood. It's going to impact our productivity and the way we think. So on a scale of, um, you know, how much percentage do you think that the Americans deal with this? Like, is this like a a thing that that's affecting like half the population, 10% of the population, or do you think this is like affecting 90% of America? So I think it's affecting a lot more than what the data shows. The most recent studies that I've seen of statistics that is that a quarter or 25% of America has a functional gastrointestinal disorder. But I really think in order to get that diagnosis of functional gastrointestinal disorder, we're really having chronic symptoms. Like we're having chronic bloating and abdominal pain or chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation. A lot of people have some digestive issues, which they have normalized in their mind, which is something I love with Stat Wellness is that we do a big uh, MSQ or a medical symptom questionnaire. And I would say that 95% of my patients report at least one symptom in their gut, even if it's on occasion. And to me, it's you can't normalize those feelings. If you have a bowel movement every other day or every third day, or if you feel slightly bloated after eating. Like those aren't normal things. If you have heartburn and you just occasionally have to take Tums, like it's still not normal and we need to figure out why are you experiencing that? Um, So I I would say. I was just gonna say, I think the problem though with our society, right, is we don't go to the doctor until it gets to those chronic things, right? Or we think we're, we're getting older. This is the reason this is happening. Like my dad's got heartburn. Like I'm, I'm this age, like maybe I'm just supposed to to get heartburn. So would you, what would you tell people that maybe have some things going on with their body? Um, that, you know, those little things are little, would you tell them to keep a journal? Would you tell them to keep a log? Like, I think the, the goal of it is to not wait till they get to that point, the chronic point. Right. I think the first step is really checking in on how do you actually feel? I think part of the reason is we don't really even realize the symptoms that we're having because we're just so busy in America. We're moving from one thing to another. We're taking care of the kids. If you have any, we're checking off things on our to-do list. Um, You know, we're constantly on our phone and connected. So it's very uncommon for patients to sit back and really evaluate, like, how am I really feeling? How's my energy? How's my digestion? How's my mental clarity? And so I do think health journals are huge and you sometimes can figure out, um, correlations on your own. Like, okay, I drank a margarita and I, you know, two days later was having heartburn. Like it's the citrus from that, you know, that's a silly example, but sometimes if you just start writing it down, you can find your own connections. I love it. So the gut brain connection. So, uh, you know, the gut, so really you just got to figure out what, if there is any inflammation. So talk about if you have a gut issue, if you are having bloating, to, let's, to wrap this gut brain connection part, what are the three things that you would recommend if you're having any sort of um, gut issues, what would you say to do? So obviously I would say that you should see somebody that specializes in functional medicine, but if I was going to give you three things you can do on your own without seeking out somebody Number one is I would try an elimination diet, try something like Whole30, at least just short term to see what impact food's playing on your health. Um, I would really encourage you to increase up your fiber and really avoid sugar. 
um, and really kind of target that stress connection because it does impact motility, which we'll talk about some of the mindset and ways to lower cortisol, which is our stress hormone, but that impacts motility. So trying elimination diets, um, really upping our fiber, decreasing our sugar, and really focusing on mindfulness are some things you can do at home. But if you're still struggling, I really suggest working with somebody that specializes in more functional medicine because we're going to take a deeper dive on why you're having the digestive issues. And I don't think people really realize the impact of sugar. Like we've, we've heard sugar is bad for us or whatever, but how it just really feeds inflammation and feeds that bad bacteria. And I literally can, can cut sugar and feel bad for a couple of days as I'm like, my body craves it. But then once I don't feed it and I kind of get out of that window, it's a game changer of how much more energy and how much better that I feel because how much sugar can impact. And, you know, even when I cut carbs, cause carbs breaks down to sugar. I think that there's just so much that people can learn, um, that just that little piece and what a difference it can make in overall productivity and feeling your best. Cause at the end of the day, if we don't feel our best, we're not going to be our best if we don't have the amount of energy. So all of this, I feel like just, it's, it's so important. Like the baseline of productivity, the foundation to productivity is wellness, like is, is feeling your best. And the brain is just a, an important part that, you know, we can't overlook, which brings us to our second point. Like, you know, brain is not just a separate thing. So talk to us about that. Yeah, it's really, the brain is connected to the whole rest of your body. It's connected to your heart and circulation. The The brain requires 20% of our oxygen at any given moment. And the brain also is incredibly sensitive to blood sugar shifts, which is really related to what we were just talking about. But I think it's a really important component. If our blood sugar is too low or too high, your brain is going to feel the impact. And just as we talk about brain health, one of the things they're starting to call Alzheimer's disease is type three diabetes. And I think it's just really important when you're trying to optimize your brain, you need to think about your gut. You need to think about your heart and circulation. You need to think about your nutrients. Like we know omega-3s are really important for brain health. Um, We really know a lot of the fat-soluble vitamins can help. We know blood sugar control is crucial. So you can't just look at this three-pound brain, which it blows my mind. Your brain is only three pounds, and it is doing so much work for us without us even having to think about it. Like we never have to think about, okay, brain, really help me move my right arm and my left arm and help me digest and help my heart beat. And it just, it always is like that brain emoji just exploding. It just blows my mind that it's only three pounds. It's the fattiest organ in our body. And it's doing so much behind the scenes to help us be our best. And so Again, just kind of thinking outside of that, I wanted to kind of touch on the blood sugar control some more because I think it is a huge component. And at um, Stat Wellness, I always call sugar the devil's dandruff. Um, I know I know it's something that most people can't avoid 100%. And I definitely don't want to have people drive themselves crazy trying to avoid sugar. But it really does trigger a dopamine response in your brain. So they have looked at the brain when people have taken cocaine and they've looked at the brain after you've eaten something really sweet and that reward center of your brain lights up with both. So I always talk to my patients, like if you feel like you're addicted to sugar, chances are you are addicted to sugar and it's very hard to come off it, but it's very important um, to at least use it in moderation, to use it when you're out with your friends and you want to have something sweet. But don't keep those things at home and really just be mindful of ingredient lists. Like that was one of the biggest things when my husband did Whole30. He was just blown away. He was like, Kristen, I had no idea that taco seasoning would have sugar in it. I had no idea that my salad dressing had sugar in it. 
um, because we really do put it in everything in America. So sugar, let's just a question. Cause a lot of people are thinking sugar, like, are we talking natural sugars? Are we talking sugars that are processed? Are we talking both? Both. So most of my patients don't have problems with the amount of fruit they're consuming. Some of my like really healthy patients, they might because they're doing like a lot of smoothies and they may be throwing in like a handful of pineapple and a handful of mango and a handful of raspberries. And you definitely can overdo it on the natural sugars. But the first thing I try to work with on my patients is the processed sugar or just added sugar in more natural forms. And when I mean more natural forms, I'm talking about things like maple syrup, honey, agave nectar, um, coconut sugar, like a lot of people use those as healthier substitutes, and they by far are healthier than a white processed sugar. But sugar is still sugar, it's going to increase your blood sugar, whether it's from fruit, or whether it's from white sugar, or whether it's from coconut sugar. And there are different ways to balance blood sugar. But when you're thinking about productivity and brain health, it is one of the first things you have to work on is blood sugar control, because I'm sure several of you listening have felt when your blood sugar is dropped, that your brain quality goes down. And you probably felt when your blood sugar is too high, and you get exhausted, like you maybe feel okay for a second, and then you just tank. And so one of the goals that I make for a lot of my patients is, at least at the beginning, see if you can reach anything that has a label. So if it's a kind bar, an RX bar, a salad dressing, a taco seasoning, an almond butter, anything with a label, really pay attention to how much sugar is in each thing and try to keep your total sugar under 20 grams per day. And you'll be blown away by how hard that is because you may go and get a healthy yogurt from Whole Foods. And some of those healthy, and I say healthy in quotes, yogurts have 28 grams of sugar in them. And that's in one cup. So based on my standard, you've already had too much sugar for the day in that one yogurt that you thought was really healthy for your gut microbiome. So blood sugar control, uh, you know, so how, again, food journal tracking, like how do you even know? I mean, the only way to know how much sugar you're consuming is really to document this. Um, you know, we tell a lot of people in their, in their planners that they can document if whatever they're kind of the focus on, but I have tracked my blood sugar control. I have tracked the amount of sugar. Um, and I feel my best, like I said, when I am not consuming a lot of sugar and naturals, any form. Um, cause I just feel that it feeds other areas, but, um, you know, is there ways to test blood sugar control? And if you're dropping or if you're not, like if, if someone went to the doctor or went to a functional medicine doctor, is there ways to test that? Absolutely. So there's a lot of different ways. Typically, if you go for like your standard physical, they may do a fasting glucose, uh, like a fasting blood sugar, the morning of the blood draw, which is very specific to right then at that moment, how's your blood sugar. And they may also add in what's called a hemoglobin A1C and hemoglobin A1C is a three month average of how well you've controlled your blood sugar. So I always say it's a diabetic's worst nightmare because they can't just eat healthy a week before their blood work. It's really a three-month average. So it's a very cool marker because your red blood cells live 120 days. So they're looking at their whole lifespan. But what I find a lot of people don't look at in regular primary care is insulin levels. And insulin is something that is really important to us in functional medicine. So even through lab core, through insurance, we check everybody's glucose, hemoglobin A1C, and insulin because insulin is the hormone that pushes blood sugar into your cell to be used for energy. And if you're waking up with too much insulin in your body, you're already setting yourself up for this blood sugar instability throughout the day. 
for weight gain, for poor productivity, mental clarity, brain health, energy levels, inflammation, aging quicker, cancer, all sorts of things. Um, so really important, again, even outside of uh, brain health. And there are ways, some of my patients that are very um, health conscious, they will even go to their pharmacy and they have purchased glucose monitors where they will check their blood sugar an hour or two after eating and see where is their blood sugar at. So if it's an hour or two after eating and your blood sugar is still way too high, you ate too many carbs or sugar at that meal. Um, and that is more, you know, I don't even check my own blood sugar like that, but there are certain things that I do with each meal to make sure I'm stabilizing my blood sugar. Like I need to make sure I have a protein. I need to make sure I have a fat. Um, and I need to make sure that I have a lot of veggies and that's mainly where I get a lot of fiber from. I try to make 50% of every one of my plates vegetable, 25% a protein and 25% maybe a complex carb, depending on my activity looks like that day, or it may just be some fat like avocado slices or things like that. I love it. That's great. Great advice and great like visuals, you know, as far as percentages on, on what people can do when they think about their eating. We are going to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com, your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. So um, our next topic um, is sleep. Um, and, and some people might be thinking, what does sleep have to do with brain health? Um, and, you know, there's different levels of sleep. And I personally have went through bouts um, with dealing with a lot of stress um, where I didn't sleep. And I just kept pushing through, kept pushing through. And I realized that sleep was essential, not only for productivity, but when I didn't sleep, I actually craved more sugar, which is what we just talked about. Um, I was fatigued. I didn't feel my best. And then I kept pushing, which eventually I think led to other things. So talk about sleep and deep sleep and the importance of that and brain health. Yes. So sleep is, is really important, as you mentioned, for everything. And one of the reasons why when you don't get as much sleep, you're craving more sugar is because ghrelin and leptin, those are some hormones that get imbalanced. And ghrelin, I always think of that as the growling hormone that makes you hungry. And leptin is the hormone that really helps signal to your brain that you're full. And so when you're sleep deprived, ghrelin and leptin are off. So you're hungry and craving foods that you normally wouldn't eat. And it's also hard for you to signal when you're full. So you're going to overeat. And really there was an article I was reading that sleep deprivation can cause one to two pounds of weight gain per week. Um, which is amazing. And this is something, Christy, that I experienced uh, greatly when I first opened Stout Wellness. And I was up every day at three o'clock in the morning, getting to the office by four and working like 18 hour days um, because we chose to open Stout with minimal uh, loans and we put in a lot of sweat equity. And so I wore a lot of different hats and I felt like Michael Phelps. I could eat like 12,000 calories in a day. It was horrible. And I finally was able to get my cortisol back into check in my sleep, but it is very important. And I've experienced it firsthand, which I'm sure a lot of people listening have when you're sleep deprived and you're craving bad food. But the other thing I've really been getting into a lot more is the sleep quality. So a lot of my patients, they understand the importance of sleep and they're like, Kristen, I am in bed for seven and a half to eight hours every night. 
And that is great. You know, you're, you're allotting time for that sleep, but how is the quality of your sleep? It's not normal to have to wake up and use the bathroom three or four times at night. It's not normal to be laying there like with restless legs, just feeling like you can't get comfortable. It's not normal to take 45 minutes to an hour to fall asleep at night. It's not normal to wake up at 3 a.m. every single day. You look at your clock and you're like, oh, again, 3 a.m. Like those are not normal things to be happening. So I really focus on sleep quality. And the more I've gotten into sleep quality and why each phase of your sleep is really important has made me really put emphasis in deep sleep. So I used to use like Garmin and Fitbit for my sleep trackers. There's a lot of them out there. Um, The Whoop Band is another one that's really popular right now, especially with my people that are um, very in tune to their health and they monitor their heart rate variability and their sleep quality and all these different things. But right now for me, I just use the Apple Watch and I have the Pillows app on my phone. And so I I track how much light sleep am I getting, how much deep sleep and how much REM sleep am I getting. And you really want, I aim for about 25 to 30% deep sleep each night. And the reason that deep sleep is really important is that's where a lot of the data is of where we're storing memories. We're like really allowing our brain to rejuvenate and to heal and to get good quality rest that it needs to think clearly and make new memories the next day. So deep sleep, when you think of brain health, is one of the most important phases. And so I encourage you guys, if you don't have a sleep tracker, maybe look at getting one. I think sleep is your longevity blueprint. I think it's crucial. Uh, But also consider, if you're not doing that, just paying attention to those. some of those symptoms I mentioned uh, earlier is, are you falling asleep? Are you staying asleep? Are you waking up feeling rested? And just identify because you may sit down and be like, okay, I had no idea. I really do take an hour to fall asleep each night or I wake up three times to use the bathroom and I wake up every day at three. A lot of that can be hormone imbalances. It can be blood sugar shifts. It can be cortisol, which is your stress hormone. So really aim for at least seven and a half hours of uninterrupted sleep per night. Good quality sleep. If you're getting that, you're probably getting enough deep sleep. If you're tossing and turning and you're feeling restless, you're probably not getting enough deep sleep. And there's a lot of things you can do to improve that. All right. So three things that someone could do quickly to improve uh, sleep. I'm, you know, I'm someone that can't fall asleep or I'm someone that can't stay asleep. Is there any three things naturally that you would just, you know, encourage people to try? Yes. The first thing people don't like to do, but is turning off electronics an hour before bed and starting to dim lights. That's one of the best ways to start getting your mind to calm down. So if you're having sleep trouble, I really suggest budgeting in that hour to do something that you really enjoy, whether it's reading a book with some dimmer light, whether it's taking an Epsom salt bath, whether it's writing in your gratitude journal, whether it's practicing deep breathing, you need that time to unwind and to not have your brain stimulated. So not on your phone, not doing emails, any of those things. Um, One of my other favorite things just that is super natural and most of us need it is taking magnesium. Magnesium is fantastic at night um, because it's a relaxing, calming mineral and it's not a sedative. So it's not going to make you have crazy dreams. It's not going to make you fall asleep and then wake up throughout the night. It's just a relaxing, calming mineral that we really believe about 90% of us are deficient in if you're not supplementing. So there's a few different brands out there. Um, Magnesium Calm is a popular one. You can get it at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Amazon, and you just mix it with your water, drink it like 30, 45 minutes before bed. You've turned off all your electronics, you're dimming lights, you can drink magnesium calm. I think that's really good. If magnesium calm causes diarrhea, because it does for some people, because it's a magnesium citrate, you may want to switch over to a magnesium glycinate, which is a different form that's not going to impact digestive health as much. 
So you can try those. If you're still having trouble sleeping after doing those two things, there's some better um, or stronger natural sleep agents. We use urine knockout a lot at Stat Wellness that's melatonin free. Um, that it's got valerian root, L-theanine, tart cherry, some magnesium, and it's fantastic. But a lot of people have issues with melatonin because it may help them fall asleep, but they're going to wake up a lot throughout the night or have crazy dreams. And then if you do do well with the melatonin, there's one in, um, Metagenics that you can find on our website in our store that's called Benesom. And that one's a really good natural sleep agent too. That one has melatonin in it. I love it. So sleep is important. I can tell you guys that firsthand. You're not going to be able to be productive. You're not going to feel your best. And it almost becomes like a domino effect. You, you know, and I think that's a problem with Kristen, with, with people like you and I, cause I know that you're, you're wired similar to me as far as a high performer and you just like people that are really high performing and really like productive. That's great. But you have to realize if you're not replenishing sleep or if you're not, um, you know, you can do that for a certain amount of time. I mean, look at Look at NFL players. They all have on seasons and off seasons, you know, all these, these big players. And I think that we have to realize as humans, we can have on seasons, but if we're not replenishing and doing the things that we need to be restoring like sleep, um, we're going to, we're going to end up burning out. We're going to end up, you know, turning something off and not, you know, heading down a path that we don't want to head down, um, which gets to the, a lot of that chronic things, right. That, that sometimes can be reversed. It sometimes can't. So the last part that we're going to talk about is physical health, um, jumping into the left and the right side of the brain and what you can do as far as productivity throughout the day, um, not even throughout the day, just in general um, for that. So can you speak on that? Absolutely. So I think it's always interesting that the right side of your brain is more your creative side and your left side of your brain is more your analytical side. So some people will say I'm more right brain dominant or I'm more left brain dominant based on some of their strengths and weaknesses. Um, But I do think we have the power to utilize both our right and our left side of our brain. We can be creative and we can be analytical. And one of the interesting things is, and you guys may have heard of this before, but the right side of your brain actually controls the left side of your body. And the left side of your brain uh, controls the right side of your body. So when we are just sitting in place and working, we're going to really be using one side of the brain much more than the other side of the brain. We're not going to have those two hemispheres communicating as much. There, They did a study, and I love this diagram, and I'll have to show you guys the picture at some point, but um, it shows the brain at rest and after a 20-minute walk. And just after a 20-minute walk, the right and the left side of the brain, there is a lot more activity. There's a lot more movement. So whenever you feel stuck or you feel like you're not thinking clearly or you just feel like, I can't get creative in this situation or I just can't figure out a solution for this situation, go for a 20-minute walk if you can fit it in. If you can't fit in 20 minutes, at least go for a 10-minute walk. Come back and you'll be so surprised at how much clearer your mind's thinking and how you're able to think both strategically and creatively, creativity, creatively. What am I trying to say? Creatively. (laughs) Being creative. (laughs) I've been sitting here too long. We're at 30 minutes. I need to go take my 10 or 20 minute walk. (laughs) She needs a walk, everybody. Hold on. We're going to pause this. We're going to, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) I know. I'm like, geez, I'm like, why can I not say this word? I also really believe this pregnancy brain is a thing. Um, So it's, it's amazing words. Like I've always used, I have totally lost, but anyway, 
going for a 10, 20 minute walk is going to help the right and left side of your brain communicate much better. So when you're feeling stuck, just exercise, get some movement, even if it's having a stand up desk, even if it's doing some lunges in your living room, movement is one of the best ways to increase brain connection and communication. So I think this kind of leads us into our last point. So we've talked about everything as far as the physical brain, but there's an emotional aspect. And, um, you know, I'm a huge believer that the physical and the emotional, all that's connected, like the brain and the gut, the soul, like all of those things are connected. If you are emotionally not able to control to your mind, like your cells know it, like I'm a believer in that. So, you know, talking about the emotional health of your brain and your mindset, um, talk about the importance of that. And can you give them three ways to control that to be the most productive days that you need to be in. Maybe it's starting, you know, a couple things that they can do in the morning, or maybe it's a couple things they can do throughout the day. Absolutely. This I think is, it's huge. And one of the things is mental health is, is such an area that we need to improve in the United States. We also need to talk about it. A lot of people struggle with anxiety, depression, chronic stress that they cannot manage. And if you're having all of those emotional symptoms, it is going to cause physical issues. There is no doubt that the mind and the body are not connected. And again, that's everything we believe with functional medicine. So having a healthy mindset is really important. And there's a few things that I do that has really helped me. Um, and kind of thinking about it, it's really four things, but they're really quick. Um, the first thing that's really been game changing to me and I've been able to stick with consistently is deep breathing every morning and every night. So when my alarm first goes off, I put my feet flat on the floor. I sit up nice and tall and I take four deep breaths in through my nose, four second breaths. I hold my breath for at least four seconds in the base of my lungs. And I slowly exhale for four seconds. And I do four cycles of those. And some days I'm able to breathe in for five, six seconds, seven seconds. And some days I'm only able to breathe in for four. So I try to do between like four and eight seconds. Um, and that has been really key because deep breathing helps lower your cortisol level. And cortisol is naturally highest first thing in the morning. So it just kind of helps ground you. And then a lot of us get tired and wired at night because of whatever we've been working on. And so deep breathing at night can also help calm down that cortisol before you go to sleep. So deep breathing is huge. Some of my patients, they do every time they're stuck at a red light, it's a reminder for them to take a nice, slow, deep breath. Every time before they eat, they really sit down and they try to turn off technology and they take four nice, slow, deep breaths to really lower their cortisol, help with appetite control. So I think that's really key when we're talking about a healthy mindset is taking a moment to do some deep breathing. It sounds silly, but it really works. The other thing that has really worked for me and making sure that I feel like I have control over my schedule rather than my schedule having control over me, which I know is what you guys really do a lot with start, um, because it's so important. We get so busy with tasks and we just start to feel overwhelmed. So time batching is something that I do where I try to block off when I'm going to check emails and I don't look at them outside of that. When am I going to work on an Instagram post? I'm not going to do it outside of that. Um, when am I going to schedule my meetings? It's going to be on this day between these times. And so time batching really works well to help you feel like you have control over your day, which is really important for mindset. If you feel like you don't have control over your day, it's going to put a lot of unnecessary stress, anxiety, fear, and all of those emotions that are that play a role with that. The other you thing that I'll control do it or it controls you. And like, I literally could just fist bump you right now. Cause that's like my, like, like the time blocking it, it's, it's, it's everything. So love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Sorry. It is. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got <no>. excited. <laughs> yeah. It's so key. And when you actually stick to it is it really, it, it makes a world of difference. 
the other thing that's really been big for me, especially with this quarantine and owning a small business and really a service industry and a gym is making lists of, okay, what right now is stressing me out? And I'll make a list. And then I go through and I circle what of these things can I control? And then from that circle, I branch off and I put, okay, here's three things I can do to start strategizing and figuring out a solution for that thing I can control. And what you'll find is when you start writing out a list of what's stressing you out is a lot of the things on your list are things that you cannot control. And I know it's easier said than done to be like, okay, I cannot control it, block it out. But for me, there's something in that physically writing it down, circling the things you can't control, putting a line through the things you can't, it allows you to refocus on what are some things that you can do to fix this situation. And then the things you can't, you're not really thinking about, at least for the moment that you're doing the exercise, which can be really freeing. And then the last thing that I do um, is meditation and motion. So I am a very, if you guys have met me in person, I'm a very high energy person. Um, it's very hard for me to sit down, even though I know I need it and do like a 45 minute meditation. Like I would love to get to a point where I have a meditation room and a candle and I can sit there for 45 minutes and I just, it's not my personality and it's very hard for me, but I know I need it. So one of the things that helps me the most is what I call meditation in motion. So I don't go for a power walk. I go for a slow walk. I have my earbuds in and I listen to meditation studio app is the one I use. There's a lot of them. There's calm and headspace. So I go for a slow walk. If I can do it in nature, like a hiking trail, that's ideal. But I do meditation in motion. And that works really well for me. And I really think it also helps my brain communicate better and helps me work through whatever is stressing me out or really on my mind. And I think a lot of this, you guys, like if you're, you and I are a lot alike, Kristen, like a lot alike. And I think that if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm also really high strung, or I'm also like a, you know, going, 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 like knowing those things and just self-awareness of your personality, your habits. Like, cause I always say like our habits and the consistent habits that we're doing, um, once we're aware of them, we then know what we need to do to be our best version of ourselves health wise. Cause the things that we do personality and trend wise and habits, and maybe that we should undo rebuild habits, right. That are healthier. Um, just being really aware and mindful of your personality because we're all different. So it might be you're, you're the opposite and, you know, you know, you're not doing enough and, you know, you need other things to like get you, like, it's easy for you to meditate. It's easy for you. I always like say I envy people that can just be, cause I'm always yeah. like, do this, go this. Like, like I envy, like my brother is like someone that can just be, and I'm always like, how? Like, I don't understand it. Like, um, but there's so much, like, I'm like, he's going to live forever cause I'm going to stress and die early. <laughs> But the thing about it is, it's just being aware and know what you need. But those people might need, you know, actionable steps, deadlines, motivation, you know, like somebody else to balance them. So it's all about balance, right? Like knowing what our health, like wellness, in my opinion, goes back to balance. Like all these different things, they are connected. They're together. And um, we just have to be aware of them and uh, be aware of our body and of our life, like all, everything you're talking about, your lifestyle, your diet, the genetics, the environment, and the stress that you're under. So. Absolutely. And I think too, it's just really important to remember because we're all so different, what works for one person may not work for the other. So okay. don't feel like, okay, I tried doing this and it didn't work for me. You know, if one of like, for me for a while, I was like really hard on myself that just sitting there and meditating for 45 minutes, like it did not make me feel better. It did not work for me, maybe doing a yoga class that was different, but 
I kind of blamed myself at the time that I couldn't get to that position. And then I had to figure out what worked for me, what did refuel my body, what did relax me, what did make me feel, um, uh, lower stress. So just don't compare yourself to anybody else and really in, be in tune with yourself. And I think that's the best we can do. I think that that's what it's all about. It's about taking inspiration, learning from other people, but applying it back to yourself, knowing that you're unique, like you're are your own individual person and your life is different. Your um, genetics are different. Your, you know, everything is different. So it's all about, you know, applying it back to what works for you to take care of your brain health uh, and to be the most productive version of yourself. Um, Kristen, this was so amazing. Like it ended up being longer. Like you guys, I'm sorry, this is going to be like a 40 minute episode, but it is packed full of information and everything that we talked about going over the gut brain connection, the brain and it not being a separate thing, the blood sugar control and it's important sleep, the left and the right side, and then tying in the emotional health is so, so important. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.